Some good news, bad news, and more good news. Introduction. Christians have done interesting things with the gospel over the course of the church's history. At various times and in various ways, such as medieval Roman Catholicism or various iterations of pietism, the gospel has been presented as a holy to-do list, offering a heavy burden and self-righteousness in the place of grace. Other times, the gospel has been treated as cheap grace, offering eternal bliss in exchange for some form of mental or verbal assent to Jesus being God or something like that. The gospel has even been treated as the message of worldly wealth and well-being. All of these blaspheme Christ and disgrace his church. How we present the gospel. Recently, the gospel has rightly been called the good news, which it is, quite literally, but the good news of Christ has been ex- emphasized in abstraction from sin. We don't like sin, so we don't talk about sin. So the gospel becomes a good news solution without a problem to solve. Christ has thus been rejected or treated with indifference. Such treatment is reasonable. What need has a person for a savior who believes he is alive and well without one? Perhaps the most common understanding of the gospel, as it has been presented in modern American evangelicalism, is the bad news, good news model of the gospel. This view introduces the problem of man's sin and the solution of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, which accomplishes or offers salvation to those with true faith. This view is good, orthodox, and quite an improvement over its sin-devoid counterpart, but this view is still lacking the biblical weight of the gospel. The common bad news, good news presentation of the gospel has had one significant negative consequence, namely the over-individualizing of the gospel. Many have been trained by this presentation of the gospel to believe that the gospel is about me. This conclusion is true in part, but it is deficient. Certainly, Jesus died to save individuals. Moreover, Christ died to save his people, specifically those given to him by the Father from eternity past. John 6:39. The gospel is profoundly personal. And yet, the redemption of the church, and individual members of that church, God's elect, is not the ends of redemption, but a means to an end. God is working out a plan in redemptive history. The end of this plan is a glorified creation filled with righteous image bearers who rule and reign as a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. 1 Peter 2.9 This has always been the plan. This glorious world filled with glorified man was the goal of the work which God entrusted to Adam. Genesis 1.28 and 2.15 Moreover, it is for his love of the cosmos that God sent his son, John 3.16. It is all of creation that waits eagerly, groaning with pa- birth pains for the revealing of the sons of God, the full adoption of the redeemed, and the coinciding freedom from creation's bondage to the corruption of sin. The gospel is not just good news for individuals, it is good news for the entirety of creation. The presentation of the gospel ought to capture the fullness of this good news. The day of the Lord. Allow me to take what I promise will be a fruitful tangent. A brief survey of the phrase, the day of the Lord, throughout the scripture will reveal that this phrase almost exclusively refers to judgment. Quote, Wail, for the day of the Lord is near, and destruction from the Almighty it will come. Isaiah 13.6 
Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. Isaiah 13, 9. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and as destruction from the Almighty it comes. Joel 1, 15. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. Amos 5.18 And yet, there is a clear sense in which the coming of the day of the Lord is good news. Quote, In that day, his burden will depart from your shoulder, and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be broken because of the fat. Isaiah 10.27 in that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted. And the lame I will make the remnant and those who were cast off a strong nation. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time and forevermore. Micah 4, 6 through 7. On that day, there shall be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. And on that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will cut off the names of the idols from that land so that they shall be remembered no more. And also I will remove from the land the prophets and the spirit of uncleanness. Zechariah 13, 1 and 2. The day of the Lord is terrible and to be feared by those who are enemies of God. God promises judgment to those in rebellion against him, Jew and Gentile, Israel and the nations. And when the wickedness of sin and rebellion is destroyed, God will renew his people, cleanse them from sin, and restore them to the land. The day of the Lord is the hope of restoration to the people of God, and so it is with the gospel, the full gospel. There's a a just and proper gospel call mirrors the words of Jesus when he proclaimed the good news in the opening of Mark's account of that gospel. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Mark 1.15 The good news of the gospel that we proclaim is the coming of God's kingdom. The thing that we rejoice and hope for is the arrival of the kingdom of God. This is good news, for with that kingdom comes perfect justice and perfect peace, the restoration of all things. And in the coming of God's kingdom, we see exactly why sin is bad news. The coming of God's kingdom is good news for the people of God alone. To those who are enemies of God, the coming of that heavenly kingdom means their judgment and destruction. This is why we are called to repent and believe. Mercifully, King Jesus is saving a people from the enemies of God to inherit the arriving heavenly kingdom. And so, the good news of the redemptive work of Christ is proclaimed to those who would otherwise be judged. Christ suffered the wrath of God so that enemies might become citizens. This full proclamation of the gospel displays the entirety of the restorative work of Christ. It contextualizes the devastation of sin as exile from the restored kingdom. It gathers up individuals into the larger narrative of God's saving work, calling the redeemed to inherit, build, and fight for God's kingdom. The full gospel recenters the gospel on the king and redeemer of the world. It magnifies the Christian's gratitude for all that Christ has done on their behalf, and it calls Christ's church to the fullness of their hope. So preach Christ. Make known the wonders of the arrival of his kingdom. Call the world to repent and believe, and rather than inheriting death, to inherit citizenship and sonship in God's glorious kingdom.